Hello and welcome to the 250 Podcast, your podcast looking at IMDb's top 250 movies of all time, the bottom 100 movies as well, and anything and everything in between. Now you may notice my voice sounds a little different than you remember, that is because the intellectual property rights to the 250 Podcast were staggeringly unprotected, so I, Luke Dunn, am darn me now, and I am your host for this reboot edition of the 250 Podcast. IMDB now, or IMDM as it were, or I am going to stop doing this bit now because I can't match up to Darren's puns. Unfortunately, we couldn't afford to license Andrew Quinn, so it's going to be just me for this episode. Uh, think of this as less of a podcast and more of an extended aerial essay, like the kind you did in school, but much more fun. Podcasts are in the past, baby. You know, we're, we're, we're all about capturing the new audience, you know, capturing capturing new ideas or just taking old ideas and saying that they're new because we didn't pay the people that originally came up with them. Uh, your attention span, of course, dear listener, is decaying at an alarming rate. So we are going to we're going to keep this train moving. We're going to keep this thing rolling. We're going to we're going to try and wrap this up in, in record time. And as part of that, and as one of my uh, many many innovations in this this rebooted edition of the 250 we are going to make sure that we get to the spoiler zone and into the real meat of the matter as quickly as possible so i am giving myself 250 two minutes and 50 seconds to get through all the preamble to get to get through all the fat to get through all the, the bits that you don't you know not that you don't need to know <laughs> But really, you, you you just want to hear people talking about the actual movie itself. So what movie am I here to talk about today? Well, I am here to talk about Child's Play, not the 1988 edition, because things that are, that are older, you know, by implication, not as good, although, of course, no one is explicitly saying that, but, but the new and therefore, you know, assumedly better edition. <laughs> The, the 2019 edition of Child's Play, and whether it actually is better or, or what it has to offer, we will get into after the spoiler, which we'll be getting to very shortly, I, I, I assure you. But of course, Child's Play is is, is, a, is a funny it's a funny film, you know? It's, it's kind of one of those that everybody knows. I think Chucky just has, with people in, in my generation, there's a lot of cultural awareness as they, as they say like a a, a a kind of a general knowledge of of chucky the 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 doll that that is evil and, and kills people because it's a very eye-catching horror premise i don't know if many of the people that would have been talking to me about chucky when i was a kid would have ever seen it i think it's very much one of those the original child's play very much one of those films that's like the one older kid, the one brother saw and or says that he saw because he saw the VHS in Jack Busters, you know? And then yeah, just the idea of the doll that stabs people is one of those things that gets kids like really hooked and I'm really interested to see. But I think that, that that's kind of a good thing in a way, because then when they get a little older and they're actually able to get their hands on it. They go, oh yeah, Chucky. I, I know Chucky, and the, and then they they watch it, and hopefully they love it because Child's Play is great. <laughs> Child's Play is an awesome movie. I know the sequels are kind of much more, uh, much more 
they, they kind of really expand, I suppose, the vision of Don Mazzini in a way that the original couldn't for, for a lot of reasons. The creative differences between him and the other people making it and, and all of that. Uh, but, you know, sometimes sometimes there's no harm to have a new set of eyes on... on I, I don't think I can extend this bit anymore, Darren. I'm sorry. I really thought I had a solid pre- solid premise for this, but uh, no, Darren asked me to do this uh, uh, while he's away, so I I did not usurp Darren. He will be back putting away and, and doing this to a much more professional standard very soon. Um, so, Darren, thank you very much for inviting me. Please don't get mad at me when you're listening to this later. <laughs> I, I love the 250, and I always have, even when you ask me to come on. And Oh, my God. Oh, I, we, we passed 250. I, I have, uh, we have not arrived in the spoiler zone, and I've already been going for two minutes and 50 seconds. Which uh, I believe, per my agreement with Darren, dear, dear dear listeners, means that I have to agree to do whatever Baby Geniuses sequel he unearths from the gates of hell. So, love that for me. But um, yeah, the the original Chucky movie is really has a very entertainingly madcap energy to it that. The sequels really expanded on in, in an amazing way. There's there's a kind of a real. I think you really feel the enthusiasm of the people involved with the production, uh, and yeah, in the the sequels that followed in the, in the series, that 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 love kind of really comes through. Like the likes of Brad Dourif and Jennifer Tilly and all that. Like they've been involved in that franchise for so long, because that franchise has been really good to them, you know. And I think they really get a lot out of it. And but you can kind of see that from. All, going all the way back to the original Child's Play, like endurous performance, you know. I mean, the guy's always a pro, but it's it's, it's easier to be a pro in some roles than others. And evil voodoo doll <laughs> is not one of the easiest ones to 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 do it in. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great movie. I like how mean spirited it is, and I like how the original Chucky kind of looks at I don't think it even is looking at it too too explicitly, but it's inherently drawing from that kind of eighties era of latchkey kids and the anxieties of you know, leaving your kids alone to kind of raise themselves and, and all that kind of thing. The the worry that actually it's Andy that's, you know, kind of behind the violence that's going around, I think is really tied to that anxiety of what's you know, what's happening to my kid when I'm leaving them alone while I have to work as a single parent and all that kind of stuff. It's not on the nose and explicit with that stuff, but it, it still comes through really well. So when you're rebooting any movie, I think there is a challenge to show that you have an original idea, an original take, and you're not just making a cheap cash grab. And I know, I mean, let's face it, the idea of rebooting Child's Play was one that was knocking around for so long and was in development hell for so long and, and was kind of struggling to be made for so long, probably because people were looking to do a cheap, a cheap cash grab. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I understand the concerns of fans of the original when, you know, you kind of see something like that get announced and then it's dragging off for so long and then when it finally is definitely getting the green light and definitely getting the red, Mancini isn't involved, Dorif isn't involved, you know, Tilly isn't involved. All these 
all these people that you associate with the with the story because they're telling a very different story. I think it's very easy then to kind of look at it and go, well, why is this called child's play then? Because you're 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 kind of drawing from the cachet that an original has and you're using it to kind of do your own thing. Why not just do your own thing? So I suppose that'll be the kind of thing that we're looking at when we look at this edition of Child's Play, the 2019 film, which, as I say, doesn't have Brad Dourif, doesn't have anyone involved with the original franchise. It is directed by Lars Klevberg uh, and stars, of course, Arvin Plaza. Brian Tyree Henry is in there as well. Uh, young Gabriel Bateman, he, he plays Andy. Been a few horror movies, that kid. And uh, yeah, stepping in as the voice of Chucky is Mark Hamill, which is an interesting one because I think in a bubble, if he told kind of movie fans, oh, Mark Hamill is doing the voice of Chucky, they'd be like, yeah, that's perfect. That's spot on. That's great casting. Where's Brad Dourif, though? <laughs> Brad Dourif kind of, I mean, he just is Chucky. So it's one of those interesting things when you look at this film, it's, it's in theory, great casting, but in practice, you can't help but feel an absence there. I think the idea of, of rebooting, I mean, it's, you're always going to be inherently skeptical about reboots um, because many of them are bad <laughs> and, and many of them are, are those cheap cash grabs. And, you know, many of them actually really miss the appeal of the original. And so that is always the difficult kind of sweet spot that you want to find yourself in is how do you offer an original enough vision of a story to make it worthwhile and to make it your own, to make it interesting to, to audiences and yet still show that you understand the core appeal of what you're doing, the the reason for it to exist at all. You know, <laughs> if you, if you're looking at Child's Play, the 1988 version, what is inspiring you to re to reboot and remake and re envision that story? Um, I know that this this was one that was knocking around for a while, and I think it really is just a matter of, you know, MGM had the rights, <laughs> and there was money in it, and and, and off they went, and yet. I think that the 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 vision that they they came out with uh, the Clevebergs version, you know, I think it it did pretty well. Uh, I think horror tends to do well because it's, it's low budget. People fucking love horror, and Chucky Chucky's a name. You know, we say there are no stars anymore, but Chucky's still a star in my eyes, no matter who's voicing him. And yeah, I believe on a ten million dollar budget, it, it got forty five million at the box office. This is pretty good. I'm not turning my nose up at forty five million dollars when uh when I invoice Darren, I'll try to come in somewhere somewhere below those expectations. But inherently, I think when you when you're sitting down to write a modern version of Child's Play, you're just the idea of an evil doll. You're going to be coming at from a different angle. I think without even trying, you're going to come at that from a different angle than you did in 1988. I think even if you're having a meeting where you go, ooh, do we want to do voodoo stuff? 
in the modern day, do we do we leave that behind, you know, or or whatever it might be? I think you're just coming at the idea with different sensibilities, uh, which we can kind of see in the very similar uh, film that came out this year to 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 much acclaim to the the very similar to the 20, 2019 version of Child's Play, uh, which we will get into later. I'm sure you already know what I'm talking about. Um, but the the kind of concerns underlying this edition of Child's Play are inherently different. The the anxieties at play are different, which is part of what makes it, I think, an interesting adaptation. Uh, this is very much a story where we are looking at how much technology and the the stuff that kids are glued to 24-7 is detrimental to their lives. It's very much, what if Chucky but too much, you know? Uh, which is, it's that's that's the premise I think you can roll your eyes at looking into it. But then when you actually watch the film itself, they do a pretty good job with it. Um, it's, it's very much like, what if Chucky was designed by Amazon? Uh, and, and the idea, I suppose, there is that you don't even need to have him possessed by a strangler at that point because he will, he's already inherently evil. Uh, and yeah, we kind of see. Uh, the, the, also, the other thing I suppose that's interesting about this version of Chucky is that he's not evil; he is broken. Uh, and the the idea that these these big corporations they're just putting stuff out there that is inherently kind of broken and then they sweep up the consequences afterwards which i think is definitely the world that we live in even though we're not maybe getting stabbed by our alexis or our roombas or whatever there's still something very wrong <laughs> with them maybe they are all possessed i don't know it would explain if my why if my stuff is all possessed like my computer everything in my room that I depend on to live. It would explain a lot about my life, listeners. But, uh, yeah, I think we we kind of, we have the same named characters. I know the, the, the kid, Andy, Karen, his, his mom, they're kind of the, the main kind of characters that are taken from from the original they're kind of put into modern day they have moved to you know a new city there's kind of pretty toy story-esque kind of uh, implications about their their family life and you know their dad and all that andy's dad and all that kind of stuff that they allude to but don't get into similar to the original but coming, again coming from that different sensibility this is definitely you know plaza as as karen reads younger she 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 describes having andy when she was 16 i believe um and it's a different angle it's a fresh angle much like this podcast this this pocket podcast and you can hear the rest of my thoughts in the 2019 version of child's play and what happens when karen brings a chucky doll home for her, her kid to not even play with, just distract himself with, which again, I think is revelatory of how we, we treat technology and stuff today. Uh, but yeah, she brings, she brings him home. He becomes pals with Andy. 
doesn't go great. And you can hear more about what happens and my thoughts about it after, presumably, the spoiler zone. So we're hopefully back from the spoiler zone. Ho hopefully, Darren, uh, who I'm still making work away on editing this at the 11th hour before he goes away, put in some kind of spoiler zone audio. And I hope he put in something for when I fucking swear as well. Although, actually, I think you guys don't do that anymore, which is fucking great. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose I'm going to ask myself what, if anything, is the 2019 version of Child's Play about for me. But I suppose I've already said that, which is great. <laughs> um, I really see it as, as a story about the, you know, it, I suppose it's obvious that it's about the, the kind of tech anxieties and the, the kind of fear of how much using too much tech has in our lives because the the Chucky doll in, in this is the buddy doll gone wrong. This kind of this revolutionary high tech doll that is designed to be not just a toy but like a kind of Alexa Google Home kind of lifelong companion. Uh, designed by the Caslin Corporation, which is, you know, a big kind of not Amazon corporation. And it's kind of a good idea, but also, like, you kind of really do have to suspend your disbelief to to think that a creepy-looking doll. <laughs> and the, the Chucky, the, the Woody dolls in this are noticeably uglier than the original, which is a very cromulent child's toy, very believable kind of take on a child's toy. I can't imagine anyone wanting anything that looks like this version of Chucky in their home, just kind of sitting around reminding their kids to take their pills or whatever. Because yeah, it's it's envisioned not as a toy so much as a multimedia um, learning system that kind of picks up on its surroundings and kind of responds to them accordingly via AI. So like it's already pretty much doomed for disaster. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, but I think there's kind of a, what I like about it is it's not just saying, oh, the way that we, it, it's very much, I think, not focused on the people. It's not like, oh, these people, they use their phones too much. They're, they're too dependent on their Google homes or whatever. Um, it's very much the fact that the tech itself is, the way that the tech and these companies and these 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 multimedia corporations make themselves all pervasive and insert themselves into every aspect of your life and assert that you they kind of set things up so that you need them to, to survive and it's not just the implications are not just horrifying but they're also much more relatively so irritating <laughs> and off-putting you know, the, the the uncanny Chucky doll kind of is a good stand-in for how we look at, you know, your Twitters, your Facebooks, your Amazons, all of these things, and find them. We, we, we rely on them every day, but we, we know that they're kind of janky and rubbish and designed by losers and nerds who exploit their employees. And I think that's one thing that I do find quite amusing and kind of well done about how this version approaches how 
and why the the, the Chucky doll is evil, uh, rather than being possessed, as as I said before, by a murderer. It's just it has the uh, has the safety lock switched off. There's there's an uh, an overworked, abused employee at the Kowsland factory in Vietnam who you know gets gets pushed too far uh, in in this kind of exploited environment, and he switches the thing to evil. He just turns off all the protocols that uh, exist that make. Chucky not a murderer. And I think that on the face of it, that's kind of oversized and over the top and ridiculous. Uh, and it's, it's again, it's one of those things that you can look at that and if you're not engaging with the movie on your own terms, you're like, why would they just have a switch that makes it evil? But it's like everything. <laughs> Every time you log on to any website now, it's asking you explicitly, can we use your information for evil? Uh, you know, this, this, the, this trust element with all of this technology and all of these people that kind of relies on this baseline of them choosing to be benevolent when they are absolutely malevolent. <laughs> the uh, the axe murderer is already inside the doll. I think that's the big change, you know? Uh, that That's the thing, is that in the 80s when you you're looking at this kind of time of deregulation with toys and the way that kids become this huge consumer market uh which grows exponentially and kind of latches themselves onto their brains forever that's the insidious idea right is that the toy that is evil <laughs> makes its way into your home and you're not there to prevent it from getting its hooks into your kid and now decades later it's like when we start, it's like these buddy dolls, they're, they're already like a huge success. They're onto buddy too, you know, uh, because people don't like the original. They want it to be improved. The evil doll is already there. It's already in your life. And that's what these, that's what these companies do. Is they, they make themselves rely on you. And you look at now the move to the, the attempts to move everything to the metaverse, the attempts to have everything rely on AI this is what this is what these people do is they insist on their inevitability. Chucky is inevitable is an inevitability unless you strike back and murder it, dismantle it. <laughs> what happens? Uh, not that I'm calling for anything specific there, uh, but it's a good take. I think I think it works quite well. I think it's the 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 idea that you know Aubrey Plaza from her kind of boring day job in a kind of a Curry's kind of Carphone Warehouse PC World kind of type store bringing home a broken uh, buddy doll for, for a kid uh, for his birthday and it you know she, she can't really afford to get him a, a fresh model is, is again it's kind of this interesting look at how things have changed as compared to the 80s because in the 80s original i know that andy's mom she's like saving for weeks to get him this doll she's you know she's got to save and save and then it's kind of forced to or kind of pushed to get this possessed version from off the streets kind of thing because it's like the dolls in so high demand and she just doesn't have the money and then you look at it today and it's like she's never going to have the money uh 
just just kind of kind of duck and dive and, and do what you can, you know. Uh, and yeah, they get this malfunctioning version of of Bodki uh, home, and because it has all these recording capabilities, and you know, kind of, it can record voices and play them back, and it records video and all these different things. It's like it doesn't even need to be conscious for it to be insidious <laughs> because it, the the fact that it's broken and the fact that it has all these safety protocols off means that as it bonds with Andy and wants to entertain him entertain him and wants to protect him, it its efforts to do that are broken from the jump, you know, because it's uh it's coming from a wired and mangled uh grounding you know it's, it's got no it's got no emotional core <laughs> uh, and wouldn't it be terrible if we gave over every aspect of it but this just makes me sound like i'm some kind of luddite unconscious uh doesn't doesn't want to use any technology i have eight eight electrical things open in front of me right now in order to do this this is helping me to connect with you dear listener and it's helping me to do a favor for my friend so it's not that i don't like technology that i don't like big corporations that's my main takeaway i think from the child's play reboot is that really if you think about it turkey is innocent turkey is just a symptom of the the poor ethics models put in place by these corporations in their design and the exploitation of the workers at their factory and they lack of accountability uh, at the other end of the violent murders that ensue when Chucky decides that he has to stay Andy's friend and protect Andy at all costs by, you know, committing acts of violence against everyone around him and making Andy look responsible. So he isolates him and then, you know, trying to kill everybody that Andy knows or else. It's, uh, I'm not saying that Amazon would do the same thing if they could. Or Google or Meta, but like they kind of would. But yeah, I I can't fault this reboot for taking a different approach. I think in terms of how it sets up its story, it does so in a very well considered way and in a way that works quite well, and in a way that you know I think offers something different and something entertaining again there is a movie that is this very similar that's come out that may be a bit better but it's the most subjective but where i would maybe fault this movie script in is in just the dialogue which is just a very modern overly ironic overly knowing dialogue that is very hard to get along with I think one of my favorite things about the original Child's Play is how it knows how silly it is and knows how, you know, inherently unscary the actual premise is when you really get down to it. And how you can be shocked by a doll suddenly appearing out of nowhere in a jump scare to stab someone, but then you might laugh because it's a silly looking doll. You don't need people kind of saying this kind of knowing smarmy dialogue like oh something weird happens and they go oh that's totally not weird at all or all that kind of that kind of thing like it's 
so I think so one of the one of the kids that Andy befriends in this is talking robot apocalypse, and it's like you, but you drawing attention to these things, you're dragging away from the story as we're experiencing it. You know, I it just is it's one of those things that I think so much dialogue it feels like in modern movies is an attempt to head off notes from the executive at the pass, you know, <laughs> or or just to amuse writers that have that have heard these stories a hundred times before, or you know, and, and and the inevitable effect of that is that you have audiences that become jaded uh, at having seen these stories a hundred times before, and then stories that make fun of these kind of stories a hundred more times after that. And this movie's story is strong enough on its own without this kind of ironic, kind of half-hearted, like kind of self-deprecating approach to its dialogue kind of takes away from its dialogue the way that it does that. And, you know, even if it were to lean in it more, you've got the kids making a lot of these wisecracks, not like Aubrey Plaza, who might be a better place to deliver it. Uh, the kids in this movie are mostly fine, but they're not too amazing. And then the, the big stars, Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry, are not in it a huge amount. Like, you could definitely get more out of them. They kind of feel sidelined in a way that is disappointing. I mean, they're 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 entertaining when they're on screen because they're very talented actors and they can do this kind of, these kind of characters in their sleep. But you could get a little bit more out of them. Uh, Hamill as Chucky is pretty good. He's no Brad Dourif, but he's not. I think let off the leash to to get to that Brad Dourif level. That's the trade-off, I suppose, of having the different idea of what Chucky is. Having him be that kind of AI gone awry kind of thing. Is that he never really kind of fully goes off the deep end the way Duraf can. That kind of foul-mouthed, ridiculous, uh, cruel and violent take on, on, on the character. Duraf is really allowed always throughout the series to run with as far as he can possibly take it and even further than that still and Howell kind of doesn't really get to do that but he's good at what he is doing which is you know what if your google house was also a doll and was also bad <laughs> like evil it works mostly i do like also that the i think the, the thing you need in a horror movie like this is that it needs to be mean-spirited <laughs> which depending on the genre like this, I, I kind of switch off in a lot of mean-spirited movies but a horror that is mean-spirited is always a good time there's something about you know letting the dark twisted unkind aspects of yourself enjoy the violence this is this is another thing that I think Darren is going to worry about when he's saying it but you know in, the, in this movie when you've got Aubrey Plaza is like shitty asshole boyfriend getting his head all carved up by Chucky and his toupee goes flying off and uh, things like that. I think that there's a kind of a that kind of tickles parts of the audience that they that they don't always like to acknowledge is there. Uh, and you can overplay that. I think some of these, these modern horror movies go too far into making sure that the only victims as it were are people that they have gone at pains to explain just before their death that they're bad people <laughs> and 
the implications of that are kind of really worrying because it's like you kind of have these horror movies that are kind of stopping and looking at you dead in the eye every five minutes to go no but this person deserves to die <laughs> you know <laughs> which is a bit, a bit, yeah concerning but but child's play 2019 it kind of doesn't overly do that there are i suppose innocent characters that you know now i'm just saying that it's actually good that bad things happen to innocent characters which maybe that's what's more concerning but you have like brian tyree brian tyree henry's mother she's a very affable character and she has a very unfortunate fate the tricky hands Chucky kills a cat as well, so just a heads up, if you're an animal lover, you're going to see that, which is not so fun. But that's the kind of a good balance, I think, for a movie like this to have. Because it becomes overly moralistic if you're having every character that you know is on the body count be this overly negative person. And also it kind of takes away from your engagement with the story because every five minutes you go, oh well now it's this person's time to die because they were mean, you know. Like a lot of you see a lot of this kind of horror movie doing stuff like that now. Uh whereas this gets a pretty good balance in there, you know. And you get the other side of that, which is yeah, you get to see people like Aubrey Plaza's shitty boyfriend get mangled. Although I'm sure I would have a negative opinion of anyone in a movie that I've seen romantically attached to Arby Plaza, who's not me, you know? Um, and the other side of that kind of mean-spiritedness that I like, <laughs> which is a very weird thing to say out loud, but I do appreciate it, is the, the kind of direction that this version of Child Play takes in its second act, where, you know, Andy, he's using Chucky, he's making new friends, and he and his friends are shitty kids, you know? They're not bad kids. They're shitty kids. They, they're they playing these kind of mean-spirited pranks. They are obnoxious and annoying. <laughs> and all the things that these kind of... All the things that you turn into when you're when you're this Andy's age, this kind of 13, 14-year-old. They're just these... They, they, don't, they don't deserve violence against them. They, they don't deserve, you know... To be overly judged, but they're shitty, they're shitty little asshole kids, you know. That's what kids are. <laughs> Certainly, what I was at that age, and I kind of like the way that they they kind of use Chucky to those ends in this because it takes that tech aspect of it and just makes it a bit more three dimensional. It it isn't just going going what if phones but too much. It is showing if you give these kids this malevolent object they will use it for malevolent ends they're little trolls they they do trollish things and that's what happens when you give kids technology uh i mean not inherently but definitely often and yeah that's that's another that's another fresh idea that because i like i like in the original child's play that it is like just a little, a little six-year-old that can't really speak for himself or, or, or stand up for himself a huge amount because that adds to the sense of danger but in terms of this story's take on it I think aging up the kids makes sense and having that aspect of it where uh, you know Andy is Andy is he's kind of going along with this kind of shitty behavior 
And it's not one of those things where it's like he goes from being completely not shitty to following him with bad crowd. Because when we're introduced to Andy, he's being, you know, petulant and spoiled and swearing at his mother. <laughs> but it's like he lean, he's leaning into these things because it's helping him to connect with these other kids. And I think that that is it's this really kind of strong through line that goes through the late first act all the way through the second act. It kind of pays off quite nicely because... Andy, as we see him, is he's a lonely kid. He's struggling with this move to a new city. He's, you know, he's got this mom that is around his age, but she's very much his I mean, she's not around his age. <laughs> he's got this young mother that, you know, can can identify with him, but is still very much his mother and not present at all times. And the concern he has with everybody leaving the two of them, it it it's this deep-seated thing within him and it's this founded thing within him and it uh you know it kind of plays out in how he responds to people around him he's struggling to make friends it adds to the sense that this kid might you know befriend an evil doll or you know if you expand that idea or it might spend too much time on his computer talking to uh other people that are like him you know it it really kind of gets and again without being overly explicit at that idea of loneliness. And it's the loneliness coming from a different decade. In the 1980s, loneliness is, you know, your parents are at work all day and they've just put you in front of the TV and the TV becomes the only thing that you can connect with. And that might influence, potentially, uh, not your behavior, but the roots of your behavior. And now in the 2010s, 2010s, late 2010s, you know, you, you're... The roots of your behavior, the, the kind of very early beginnings of the things that you might say and do and feel are coming from tech companies that own every aspect of your life. <laughs> and again, it just kind of is this more textured version of this story that gets at these interesting ideas without being overly simplistic and without being overly moralistic and without being like, yeah, problem is kids are on their phones too much it's a kind of alludes to that in the early going with andy but it makes it very clear that that's not the problem the loneliness is the problem and you know andy's overcoming that involves him understanding and embracing and leaning into not being lonely with his friends and with his mother and the people around him which is nice it's heartening it's i think it's a, it's a good approach to that story While also being mean and violent and bloody, <laughs> people are getting limbs chopped off and all that stuff. So it's got, you know, something for everybody. And I suppose, obviously, I've alluded to this earlier, but having that more tech focused look at the story and having, you know, a horror movie about a doll with frayed AI that then goes, on a killing rampage. Uh, it's interesting because the in 2019, obviously, your thoughts are how well is this movie going to stack up to the original Child's Play, which I think it does pretty well. I don't think it's as good as the original Child Play, Child's Play, but I think it justifies its, its existence quite well, and you know it it does a good job of being its own thing, and it's an entertaining movie. But now in, in 2023, you're looking back at this movie and going, how well does this hold up against Megan? Because 
very similar. And Megan with that extra layer of camp and that extra layer of ridiculousness is doing a different thing than again. Um, and again, your your mileage may vary. You may prefer this to, to Megan, which is is valid. I think it's interesting though, because hopefully it's it's an indication of a trend in terms of these scripts. Because I think the the big thing that is holding me back from all out loving this film is that overly knowing above it kind of approach in the dialogue and some of the story choices. Whereas Megan still has aspects of that, but is one layer less removed. It's knowing without putting that knowingness on the page, you know, like Megan can sing a creepy song and the kid doesn't have to respond. Whoa, that's pretty creepy. You know, that kind of thing. Um, because when these movies are sincere, that's, that's when they're working the best because that's what makes for the best stories, you know? If you, if you have someone just speaking an irony voice at, all, at you all the time, that's not a story. That's just somebody being sarcastic. And it doesn't work as well, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think those comparisons probably now are, are inevitable and are possibly going to lead to this movie being memory hold a little bit, you know? It's going kind of, it's, it's going to kind of potentially fall between that original series, which has a lot of well-deserved love for it um, and a kind of a community behind it. And then Megan, which obviously very quickly grew its own community and, and justifiably so. There's so many people here for Megan and I'm one of those. Megan did nothing wrong <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But um, yeah, I think that this is, it would, it would be unfair, I think, for this movie to just completely fall in the gap between those and, and kind of fall away because I think it is entertaining and it does have interesting ideas and i think it kind of it it approaches that ai and that tech aspect of it in actually quite interesting ways that megan doesn't as much because megan is, is doing different things but i think megan kind of alludes to that like all pervasive aspect of it but hasn't maybe got around around to that yet from a from a storytelling point of view that might be in you know megan too and all that kind of thing which is great but but yeah i think it, it is well done here so this does stand up on its own two legs and so the question of you know is this worth watching is this a, a movie that if you're doing a child's play actually maybe that's the bigger question if you're doing a child's play marathon do you include this does this count as a child's play movie it is not a child's play movie in the sense that it isn't coming from that same vision and that same place as the, 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 the say the TV series. I think the TV series does a good job of being that continuation from the original movies because obviously it's the same people involved, but it is expanding on the ideas that grew out of that original series. You know, the the, the queerness of it and the the way that that movie looks at, at, at connections and community form and, and, and stuff like that. And also it's wackier, loony tunier kind of sensibilities and approach to violence. That all work that all works really well. Um, so you know if you're doing kind of a marathon of the series, I suppose you could in a sense not include this because it is its own thing. 
to that much of an extent. It still has a very arch kind of look at horror and, and violence and stuff, but in a distinctly different way. And it is coming, yeah, from a very different vision. I think that's the trade-off, I suppose, of having its own distinct idea. Not that, I mean, it's inherently going to be a different idea, but but the fact that it has this look at corporations and tech and, and how pervasive they are and all that stuff, that's a very good idea to mine down into, but you're kind of very much uh, focused on that, boxed in by that. And that alternative idea prevents you from having the room to go off kilter and go a bit mad and go into the the Chucky franchises look at Hollywood itself and its own approach to sequels and uh, you know the its own approach to horror and the people that make these movies and the as I say the the, the queerness and the the other aspects that have kind of mutated out of a very simple 80s silly slasher idea. I think I, that's, that's what people really respond to about that series is just that kind of potential and possibility and freedom uh, that, that is offered by Mancini and others uh, in the sense that his weird little, it's, his, it's, it's a guy's weird little idea and Durif uh, and, and others that are involved with the series, it's their weird little interpretation that allows them to take it wherever they want. I think that's a very emboldening and exciting possibility where the child's play reboot is a good idea, but it is a lot more confined. It feels like, and I suppose that's, that's part of, again, the different sensibilities of the decade that it's made in, you know, it's, it's a good approach to IP. <laughs> and that, I think it is worth watching. I think it's an entertaining film, but it, it, I think it, it, is restricted by that, you know. It's 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 the result of people being presented with an IP and going, "What can I do with this?" As opposed to people being presented by the the, the endless expanse of their imagination and going, "What can I do with this?" You know, that's always going to be a more exciting place to be. I feel like. So, do I recommend that you watch this? Yes, but also I recommend that you watch every other child's movie first. <laughs> And the series, and then if you then, then get around to this, I mean that this is the problem with me recommending things. I think you should just watch everything, and you're never going to be able to. So you're just going to watch the thing that you want to watch, and you're not going to have time for everything, which is how we all live our lives. So in fact, all recommendations are meaningless, and all lists are meaningless, and the IMDb is meaningless, which I suppose makes this podcastless and listening to it meaningless. But there you are. I, I hope you enjoyed this 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 discussion anyway. I hope that it sparks off your own interest in the film. And we should go see it if you haven't already, because yeah, I do think it's good. I suppose it's just me thinking that my opinions aren't good. But I wouldn't have been asked to be here if they were if that were true. So thank you, Darren. And thank you, Andrew. And thank you for you listening. Uh, I suppose that just brings me to the ending bits, which I always forget, and so I'm never prepared for. And so every time Darren asks me to remember or to recommend something, I'm like, I have no recollection of anything that I've been doing or enjoying or experiencing or 
uh, up until the moment that you asked me to record. But I did do slightly more preparation for this podcast, so I do have something to recommend. It's kind of a piece with Child's Play, but also not. And that is Resident, Resident Evil 4. Uh, the remake of Resident Evil 4, one of the very best video games of all time, and one of my very favorite video games of all time, is out now. And my sister Jess, and a frequent also guest of, of this podcast, uh, she's been playing it. She's been really enjoying it. She is also a big fan of the original, and she's having a really good time. Uh, it's out on various platforms now, and I, I say give it a go. Or play the original, because I replayed the original recently. I downloaded it on the Switch, and it holds up so well. It is so good. It is campy, silly, entertaining, horror, violence, and fun. So in that case, it's a perfect companion, and you should give either version a go. Um, And yeah, there's a lot of silly little guys in Resident Evil 4, so it kind of... (laughs) It kind of is a good pairing with Child's Play in that sense as well. Okay, so I am Luke Dunn. I am not Darren Mooney. I will never be Darren Mooney. I will never be as good at this as he and Andrew are. Uh, their easy rapport makes this so much more manageable when I am lucky enough uh, uh, to be a guest with them, which I always enjoy. And I suppose when I'm inevitably asked to do another Baby Geniuses, I won't enjoy that. I won't enjoy. I won't go that far. But I always enjoy talking with them, and I hope they enjoy listening. Uh, I am Luke Dunn. I am on Twitter at Mister Cynical, and I am on Letterboxd as well at Mister Cynical. Go find me there. Twitter is a horrible place that makes us all unhappy. But on Letterboxd, I, I talk about movies, and if you're listening this far, you enjoy doing that too. So go follow me there, if you aren't already. It's at Mister Cynical. That's cynical with an I. And you can find even more of my ramblings that are slightly more edited than this conversation today on filmindublin.ie. That's www.filmindublin.ie. We're on all the socials as well. I mean, if you find my socials, you probably find the Film in Dublin stuff. I retweet everything that I write. Uh, you can find all our stuff there. You can find our most recent edition of our semi-annual zine publication, Pretty Deadly Films, our most recent issue. At the time you listen to this is a Colin Farrell special. It's called Colin by Your Name. And you can get that on digital download now. You can pay what you want. Or you can get a physical copy as well. Just means more work for me because I have to print it for you. And I hope that you do because it's a great issue. I'm really proud of it. Great articles, great artwork. And give it a look. Give anything I do a look, please. Especially this. Uh, listen to it all the way through. In fact, when you're finished listening to it now, just hit behind on your, your podcast listener and listen to it again. Thank you very much, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>